It's Tuesday, February the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Weinstein's guilty verdict and Mahathir Mohamed's manoeuvres. First, the world in brief. A court in New York found Harvey Weinstein guilty of a first-degree criminal sexual act and third-degree rape. The jury, however, acquitted him of the most serious charges, two other counts of predatory sexual assault and first-degree rape. The verdict comes after dozens of women said Mr Weinstein had sexually abused them, sparking the hashtag MeToo movement, which highlighted the extent of sexual harassment and assault. Mahathir Mohamad resigned unexpectedly as Malaysia's Prime Minister. However, having sacked his ministers, he said the King had asked him to stay on as interim Prime Minister. Theories swirled about the 94-year-old's actions. He may wish to scuttle a prior agreement to make way for Anwar Ibrahim, his designated successor. The two scored a joint victory in the 2018 election. Financial markets stabilised after the previous day's fearful response to a surge in COVID-19 cases outside China. Japan's stock market, reopening after a holiday, fell by less than had been expected, given the global sell-off while it was closed. Oil stopped plunging and safe haven assets such as government bonds and gold stopped soaring. The head of the World Health Organization said the virus did not yet qualify as a pandemic, though it has pandemic potential. Britain's government said it would prioritise sovereignty over costs to British businesses in trade negotiations with the European Union. The British government, which wants a Canada-style free trade agreement, said that its primary objective is economic and political independence and that demands to align with EU regulations would not be accepted. United Technologies and Raytheon, which are planning to merge, offered concessions to the European Union's antitrust watchdog. Combined, the aerospace and defence companies would form a giant worth $120 billion. United Technologies has offered to sell its military-focused GPS division, while Raytheon has offered to hive off its airborne tactical radios unit to BAE Systems. The European Commission extended its deadline to decide on the merger by two weeks. Germany's governing Christian Democratic Union will hold a special congress on April 25th to pick a new leader. Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer, who currently heads the centre-right party, resigned this month after the CDU cooperated with the far-right Alternative for Germany in choosing a minister-president in Thuringia, an eastern state. On Sunday, the party suffered its worst-ever result in regional elections in Hamburg, coming third. And protests in Delhi over India's new citizenship law boiled over, just as Donald Trump began a state visit. Supporters of the law, which favours non-Muslims for naturalisation, clashed with opponents. Five people were killed, including a policeman. Meanwhile, in Gujarat, the American president and Narendra Modi, India's prime minister, bear-hugged before a huge crowd in the world's biggest cricket stadium. And now, here's today's agenda. A milestone verdict. Weinstein found guilty. After five days of deliberation, a Manhattan jury found Harvey Weinstein, a former Hollywood producer, guilty of rape and of a criminal sex act. It acquitted him on the more serious charges of predatory sexual assault, which could have landed him in jail for life. Last week, the jury had signalled that it was struggling to reach consensus on those counts, sparking fears of a mistrial. His lawyers say he will appeal. 
Mr. Weinstein, who was led to jail to await sentencing on March 11th, could face up to 25 years in prison and will serve a mandatory minimum of five. This will be less than some of his accusers and activists around the world had hoped for, but the conviction of Mr. Weinstein, whose downfall has come to symbolise the hashtag MeToo movement, will stand as a historic moment in the effort to hold powerful perpetrators of sexual abuse to account. Heading South, the Democrats' debate. Less than a week after their previous debate devolved into a verbal brawl, hopefuls for the Democratic presidential nomination gather on stage again tonight in Charleston, South Carolina. The state, which heads to the polls on Saturday, holds the first primary in which most of the Democratic voters are African-American. Bernie Sanders, a left-winger, remains the national frontrunner, having notched an impressive victory in Nevada's caucuses last Saturday. But Joe Biden retains a small lead in South Carolina's polls thanks to his service as Barack Obama's vice president and to long relationships with many of the state's politicians. James Clyburn, a 14-term congressman and the House Majority Whip, plans to endorse Mr. Biden. Mike Bloomberg, the billionaire ex-mayor of New York, will look to rebound from an abysmal performance in last week's debate. The big question is whether the other candidates train their fire on him again or on Mr Sanders, which they have so far seemed curiously reluctant to do. Making Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase's Investor Day Jamie Dimon will probably enjoy today's event for investors in J.P. Morgan Chase, the world's most valuable bank. Investors are thrilled with his performance as chairman and chief executive. J.P. Morgan Chase beat analysts' earnings estimates in every quarter of 2019. Annual revenues grew more than 6% year-on-year, even as rivals struggled to maintain theirs. Its share price rose by 44% last year, beating the S&P 500 stock market index as well as those of rival banks. Analysts are likely to ask questions about its unconfirmed plans to launch a digital bank in Britain, which newspapers reported over the weekend. The bank's leadership will be probed about a slower outlook for growth in 2020, but the trickiest questions are likely to be about the issue of when Mr Diamond, who has been at the helm of the bank since 2005, plans to retire. His answer? In five more years. What price liberty? EU-UK trade talks. Today, European foreign ministers are due to agree on a mandate for the European Commission in post-Brexit trade talks. The British government says it will then publish its own mandate before negotiations formally begin on March 3rd. The two sides are far apart. Britain wants a Canadian-style free trade agreement with no tariffs and quotas, but insists it cannot be bound by EU regulations. The EU is happy to offer a Canadian-style deal, but only if Britain abides by a level playing field, meaning sticking to EU rules for social, environmental and labour standards and state subsidies to industry. EU members have been beefing up this condition and adding others, such as full access to Britain's fishing waters. These intransigent negotiating positions will make it harder to meet a year-end deadline for a trade deal, raising the risk of trade between the two switching to basic World Trade Organization terms alone on December 31st. Permanently Grounded, Air Italy Italy's second flag carrier ends most of its operations today, just two years after its relaunch as Air Italy. 
Its shareholders, the Aga Khan, a religious leader and businessman who owns 51%, and Qatar Airways, which owns the rest, have decided to liquidate the airline. They had hoped that the carrier would replace Italy's main flag carrier after Alitalia went bust in 2017, having made an annual profit only once since 1946. Instead, while Alitalia limped on with state support, Air Italy lost over 360 million euros, 415 million dollars, in just two years. Competition from low-cost carriers such as Ryanair, Alitalia's refusal to die, and the grounding of Boeing's 737 MAX, of which Air Italy owned three, all hurt. But the refusal of its shareholders to throw good money after bad was the last straw. Qatar Airways said it was now no longer interested in investing in Air Italy or in any other air transport project in Italy. Ouch. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William James Ashley, who was born on this day in 1860. More men fail through lack of purpose than lack of talent. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.